Now, for these last few weeks, we're up to week number seven on this series now. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from Galatians 5.22. And it says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, this fruit, notice in the verse, it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. This means that it's not something that we can try and create. We can try and gain by ourselves and add it to our list of character qualities and say, well, I've got that now. I've been working on that. I've got that. That's not what it is. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. He produces this. And when he produces this fruit and when we allow him to fill us, and empower us, this is the result. These are the sort of fruit that we will see at work in our lives. It's not achieved through our human effort. It's not achieved through human endeavour, but by the Holy Spirit and depending on Him, being thoroughly immersed in Him. That's why it's all in, because we are all in the Holy Spirit. I heard a young man complaining that he constantly would ask God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said he felt like it was, when it happened, it was, he was like a bucket that had holes in it and the, and the Holy Spirit would sort of fill him and then it would all leak out. But if you pace a bucket with holes in it in the middle of a river, it'll always be full. So even although we might have our deficits and our weaknesses and we feel like we're not making it, if we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and immerse ourselves totally in Him, in the middle of the river, and let the Holy Spirit wash over us, then as we allow Him, as we do that, He's going to keep filling us and keep producing this fruit in our lives. And so today we're up to faithfulness. Faithfulness, that's the fruit that we're looking for the Holy Spirit to produce in us. Now, faithfulness is the fruit of the tree of faith. We cannot grow faithfulness without faith. We can have determination without faith. We can have willpower without faith. But we cannot have faithfulness without faith. So I believe the extent to which this fruit grows in our lives depends on the focus of our faith. If we're faithful, that means we're full of faith in what? Now, if we place our faith in material things or in people, then the problem arises that these things can fade or lose their appeal. And so then... Where does our faith go if our faith is in those things? If our faith is in people and people let us down or people move away, where does our faith go if our faith is fully focused on them? What happens to us when the things are no longer there or the people are no longer there? So we have to decide what are we going to focus our faith on that can be reliable and dependable and trustworthy, will not fade or go away, but will always be there and able to be depended upon so we can remain faithful. I believe that if the focus of our faith is God and we think about what he is like, this will help us to be able to 
find a great focus for our faith. God is eternal. That means he is forever and ever. Our our minds can hardly conceive that because we're human. But God is eternal. He is everlasting. He is never changing. God is everywhere present by his spirit. He is all-knowing. This is the nature of who God is. Surely someone like that is, is someone that we could put our faith in. And if we look to God and we trust him, then I believe that placing our faith in God is like the soil for um, faithfulness to grow in us. If we place our faith in him. Because it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for what we do not see. Confidence and assurance. Those things that help us to feel strong when we are confident, when we are assured. And it's saying that if we place our faith in God, we can have this confidence. We can have this assurance because of who he is. Not because of who we are or not because of our circumstances, but because of who he is. We can have confidence. We can have assurance because God can be relied on to keep his promises. We can have confidence. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's not going to let us down. He says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. We can have confidence when someone like God says that to us. We can feel confident and assured because he has given us these promises. Now, when Jesus was on earth, God showed us himself in the flesh through Jesus himself. But after Jesus died and was raised from the dead, he went to be with the Father, but he didn't leave us alone. He sent us the Holy Spirit He said, I'm going to leave myself with you through the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you every moment of every day. He will be your helper. He will be your comforter. And it's the Holy Spirit in our lives who gives us this assurance and comfort and strength. Why does he do this? Now, Last week, I saw that there was an acrostic, and I heard that there's been a few acrostics going on through this series, so I decided I had to keep up with the uh, acrostic idea. So I took a whole week to work this one out, because it's a very long word, faithfulness, a lot of letters, but we're going to start with the beginning of it. Let's have a look. Faithfulness is when we fully action implicit trust in my heavenly Father. Now, we're only so far. We're not there yet. We're, we're, we're on the way with it, okay? Think about this. Implicit means like continuous, complete, no doubts. We have to look to who God is. We have to get our eyes off our circumstances because circumstances will make us weak. We will not be able to action trust when we look at circumstances. So we have to look to God, who God is. When we look to God in the midst of trial and trauma and difficulty, challenge, when we look to God in the midst of who he is, then we can begin to action this implicit, this complete, no doubts, trust. 
because of who our heavenly father is. He loves us and he wants to fill us and work in us so that we can outwork his purposes, so we can produce this fruit in our lives. So the beginning of faithfulness is fully actioning implicit trust in my heavenly father. And when we do this, the fruit of faithfulness begins to grow. The fruit of faithfulness grows out of relationship with God. You'll not be able to fully action this trust unless you know God. Because you cannot trust someone you don't know. The more you know someone, the more you trust them. The Holy Spirit helps us to know God. As we spend time in the Bible, asking the Holy Spirit to bring it to life to us. Not just reading words on a page, but sitting down and letting God enliven this in our spirits. And it suddenly starts to build strength in us. You know, there's been times when I've really been struggling and the circumstances are dark, but I look up and I just repeat over and over again, do not be afraid for I am with you. God himself is with me. And so I might say it 50 times. I repeat the word of God over and over so it becomes truth in my heart. And that's what God wants us to do. That's how we build implicit trust, where we absolutely trust who God is. And so we can only do that through reading the word of God and letting the Holy Spirit bring it to life in us. He also helps us to understand what God says and why he says it. And the Holy Spirit will reveal more about who God is. And that's why we can trust him. So it really starts with relationship. We can't have faithfulness without relationship. And by having relationship with God, this fruit of the Holy Spirit, this incredible ability to be faithful will grow in us. Now, the second thing I want to say is that this faithfulness grows through a process. It doesn't just sort of happen in a moment. It's, it's not just the desire to be faithful. It's not an attitude of faithfulness. It's actually a process that requires action. We talked about actioning, implicit trust. But it's not just a moment in time decision. It's a way of life. It's constantly committing every day to trust God. It's not sort of that moment when at the end of the service we might invite people forward for prayer and, and you know, you're thinking, yes, I really want to be faithful. And, and in the emotion of the moment, we step forward and we say to God, we, we, and it's truly, it's our heart's desire, we want to be faithful. But we walk away and if it's just that moment and the emotion passes, then it's perhaps our desire will wane. It can't be just built on emotion. It has to be built out of who God is and our trust in him. And so it's really important that we see that while we do have to make a decision that we want to trust God, that's the first step, then we walk this out every day, every moment, every year, year after year. It's an ongoing walk of getting to know God and then being able to trust him more and then that will produce the fruit of faithfulness. You see, it's not our effort that produces this fruit. We don't have to try really hard to be faithful. 
We have to look to God. We have to build relationship with him. We have to trust him. And out of that, faithfulness will grow. There's no way after walking with God for so many years, I want to let him down. There's no way that I don't want to do what he wants me to do. I will say yes to him because I trust him. No matter what that yes means, I trust him because I know he loves me. He has my best interests at heart. He cares for me. He protects me. He says that he is my strength, my shield and my helper. And so therefore, I know that he covers over my heart and my mind and protects me as a shield. And so therefore, I can walk confidently, not looking at circumstances because they will make you lose trust, but looking at who God is. We cannot rely on ourselves to be faithful because if we depend on our own humanity, we will not have the strength of heart and mind to remain faithful. In Proverbs 20, verse 6, it says, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person, who can find? Because on our own, we basically find it too hard to be faithful. We need the power of God at work in our lives. We need to trust in him to fully action implicit trust in our heavenly Father. But when we do action that through the power of the Holy Spirit, We will be faithful because that fruit is being produced in us. We will have a power beyond ourselves to outwork what God wants us to do and this fruit will be produced as a result. I mean, think about the stories of the martyrs, people who have stood and and given their, their life, given their life, physically given their life to God. And I often think, how could they do that? How could, you know, like, would I be able to stand there and be willing to die? But you know what? It's not in a moment that they have to make that decision. It comes out of a walk, a walk of trusting God, of placing their implicit trust, no doubts, complete. Implicit trust in their heavenly Father, absolutely believing that God is faithful and will either deliver them on earth or to heaven. It may not be that they, they, they don't die, but they know they will be with him forever. They have implicit trust in God. And that's why they can do it, because they love Jesus beyond all. They don't love things more than him. They don't even love people more than him. They love him above all. And so they can put their implicit trust in him. It didn't come about in a moment It came about through a process of growing their relationship with God, of getting to know who he is, what he's like, and and seeing that he's faithful and trusting him a bit more, then taking the next step of faith and seeing God is there to meet him and trusting him. And as they walk that walk, they realise that that they don't want to do anything but place their faith and their trust in God. And not even life itself is as precious as God is to them. I believe that this process starts as the Holy Spirit will give us a little to handle. He doesn't suddenly say, well, here we are. Take all of this. Now go and trust me for it. (laughs) He says, here, here's here's something I want you to, to look after. I want you to take this bit. 
and deal with this bit first, all right? Trust me, I can help you. It might be a little bit hard at first, but trust me. And so think about what is in your hand? What has God put in your hand? Because he has. He's entrusted you with something. So think about it. What is in your hand? We have the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. And here, this is an example of how God works. He gives out to some people. He has three people. And he's going to entrust them with something. He has five bags of gold that every version has, like, labels it in different ways. But five bags of gold to one, two bags to this one, and one to this one. Everyone's been entrusted with something. And then as we read this this parable, we see that that they, they were given this to do something with. Different amounts. It doesn't matter what we're given. It's what we do with what we've got. That's what's important. And so the first one thought, well, look, I've been given this. I've had this entrusted to me. I'll take it. I'll do something with it. And he came back and he doubled what, what God had given him. The second one did the same. The third one thought, oh, it's not much. I may not be able to do much with this. I'll just go and make sure that I don't lose what I've got. So I'll sort of, I'll bury that so that it's not lost. So when he comes back and give him back what he gave me. It's, it's really hard because we compare ourselves, but God doesn't. God doesn't look up and say, oh, I'm going to give this one a bit more than this one and this one a bit more and this one I'll just give you a little bit. God's not like that. He sees, he created us for a purpose. He made us in a certain way for a purpose. And he knows what we can handle. He knows what is best for us and what gifts and talents we have that we can use. And so he gives us that. And then we have to faithfully use that to serve him. But of course, if we're going to be faithful, it's going to require us to trust him that what he's given us is right We're not going to feel bad about it compared to someone else. We're not going to try and compare ourselves. We're going to trust in his goodness to such an extent that we're even not afraid to take some risks or even afraid of failure. The servant who um, did nothing what was entrusted to him, he was actually hampered by fear. And when he was called to give count for what he, his failure, he said, I knew that you were, he said to the master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. If that's our view of God, then we're not going to be motivated to take risks. We'll not be compelled to give our resources or our abilities and energy to serve and love others. If we're afraid of failing or afraid of God, we will not do anything with what God has put in our hand, just like that third servant. I heard about a pastor who was, had his two nephews visiting him. And he was excited because they didn't go to church, they hadn't been to church, but when they were visiting him, they were going to come along to church with him. And they were sitting in the front row with um, his wife, their auntie, and um, after a while, the boy turned to her and said, how much longer do we have to sit here? And she said, oh, look, just, you know, it's, it's not too long now. And then the, the offering came around And then he turned back and he said, you mean we've got to pay for this? 
You see, if we have that attitude, it's like the attitude of the unfaithful servant. We take this attitude, you mean we've got to pay for this? You mean we've got to serve you, God? You mean we've got to give of our resources to you? It's sort of like having that attitude of the servant, God's a harsh God who's demanding this of us. That's not what God is like. And if we have that attitude, we won't give. We won't serve because we won't want to, like we won't see the purpose for it. We'll hide away what God has given us and the kingdom of God will be affected because of that. But if we know who God really is, that he is the all-compassionate one, that he wills our good, that he wants the best for us, he loves us unconditionally, eternally, then we're likely to look to him and say, yeah, I want to take what you've given me and I want to multiply that and see that multiplied for your good, for your kingdom on earth. And so I'm saying to you this morning, what has God put in your hand? Because he's given it so that he can not just make a difference to you, but make a difference to others. That's what it's for. So are you willing to take what he's given and use it for the service of others. While I was away overseas, um, we went to a conference called the Global Christian Schools Network Gathering, which was a conference of, um, a gathering, sorry, of Christian leaders from all around the world, so many different countries. And there was one man there from Moldova. His name is Matthew Hillier, and uh, he actually is an Australian, but he's lived in Moldova for a lot of years. When he was 13, he used to go to Pacific Hills Christian School in Sydney, and he was a special needs student. He used to catch the bus every day to school, and uh, he wasn't a boy that was popular, and the bus driver had sort of a compassion towards this young man, this 13-year-old boy. So what was in the bus driver's hands? Well, the bus, obviously. But apart from that, he had... um, He was moved by God to write letters to people who were imprisonment overseas, um, unfairly imprisoned for their faith. There's a group called the Voice of the Martyrs, and you can, anyone can do this. You can actually go on and write letters to people as an encouragement to them where they're incarcerated for trusting God. So this bus driver actually did that. That was what was in his hand. And so he said to this young boy one day, he said, because he could see that he was teased a bit and that he was, you know, it was a difficult situation. And so he called him over. He said, you know, I think you'd be amazing at writing a letter to someone who didn't feel very loved because they were in prison. And this young boy said, I, yeah, I'll write a letter. And so it started out that he introduced to him to write a letter to people in Russia, a Soviet Union, sorry, and in Eastern Bloc countries. And so this 13-year-old boy wrote a letter. And he wrote to these people. And he did that for quite a few years. And then one day when he was 15, someone wrote back to him. And they said, could you send us a Bible? And so he did. And, and then more letters came because this man had, person had passed around the Bible. And, and so more letters came asking for more Bibles. And before he knew it, he was sending a, what do you call it, a um, container of Bibles to Soviet bloc and, sorry, Soviet Union and Eastern bloc countries. And now 
He lives in Moldova. He's serving God there, has created a, a group called Church Mission Aid, and he has sent up now 80 containers of Bibles and medical services and all this sort of thing. He lives there and is working with these people, making a difference to them. It all came out of a, a bus driver looking at what was in his hand and doing something with it. And a young 13-year-old boy writing a letter. You see, we think we can't do much, but he's changed the world because he took what was in his hand and he did something with it. We don't have to be, you know, God is not, he doesn't throw us in the deep end often. He, he just puts us in a little deeper than we can go and asks us to trust him. And then he takes us step by step. And then Matthew moved to Moldova and lives there. He's now married a Moldovian woman and has children and is serving there. And to hear his testimony and hear the ministry that they are involved in there was absolutely inspirational and challenging. And so this is what happens when you take what you put in your hand and, and trust God and, and serve him with it. The servant to whom had been entrusted the five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest and I've doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You see, faithfulness is a process. And as we're faithful in the small things, it opens the door for greater responsibilities and increased relationship because we get to celebrate with God. The third thing, faithfulness is not a fast-growing fruit. It takes time. But in the meantime, we have prayer. You think about in the Acts, in the early church, that Jesus had left them. And then there was this period of time between when he'd left and when the Holy Spirit came. That would have been a hard time. They had walked with Jesus himself. And you imagine he's gone. That would be incredibly sad. So they had this time of waiting. Now in that time, they could have thought, what's going on? Why have we been left like this and started to complain, started to get their eyes on the circumstances? Thinking, What's going to happen now? Jesus is gone. How are we going to be able to do what God's called us to do? But they didn't. What they did was they went to prayer. And for days they met in this house and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. I mean, if you want heaven to invade earth... Earth has to invade heaven. And we need to pray. We need to seek God. We need to seek his hand at work and to see his hand at work as we seek him. And as they prayed, they waited. They didn't lose faith. They didn't lose hope because they were trusting in God. And sure enough, 40 days later, the Holy Spirit comes in all of his power and they'd never experienced anything like that. You see, prayer is not just a God bless so-and-so. But it's a prayer that seeks for heaven to move on earth. Think about this. If all of your prayers that you pray came true this week, who would be converted? Who would find faith in Jesus? 
If all of your prayers came true this week, whose marriage would be restored? If your prayers came true this week, where would there be gospel advance on this earth? Or what missionaries might be sent out? We need to be praying for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray beyond our own needs, beyond ourselves to the needs of others, to those in our church. We do that with the prayer cards and we need to keep praying that. Not just the people that meet on Monday morning and Thursday afternoon, Sunday morning, but you need to pray too. You need to pray for those people. We need to pray for the needs of our nation. My goodness, our nation needs prayer. And we need to pray for the needs around the world. If, if we're not seeing action, then let's wait on our knees in the middle of the river where we're fully immersed in the Holy Spirit so that we allow him to work out and our dependence on God, on him, will see the fruit of faithfulness grow because we will give God time as we wait on him to minister his provision, his purpose and his power into our spirits. You know, this sort of faithfulness produces hope. Not the sort of hope that wills something to happen, holding our breath in case it doesn't, but biblical hope. The joyful anticipation of good, joy before it happens. So let's go back to the acrostic. We've got fully actioning faith, implicit trust in my heavenly Father. That's what we need to do. This sort of faith is <laughs> this sort of faith is unwavering. All right. Listen to James what he says. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Remember the focus of our faith, it has to be in God. God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea, which is blown and tossed by the wind. If you want to get confused and messed up, then divide your faith. Sometimes think I trust in God and sometimes I don't. You're going to be a mess. Either decide to trust in God or don't. Don't try and have a foot in both camps. It's too hard. You're going to be all over the place. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. So let's either put our feet all in God's camp or in the world. Make a decision. You've got to make a choice. Otherwise, you're just going to be unstable in everything you do. Okay, what sort of faith we need? It's faith that is loyal. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Never let go of loyalty and faithfulness. Tie them around your neck. Write them on your heart. If you do this, both God and people will be pleased with you. Let's be loyal to God, that he he can depend on us. We're not going to speak about him behind his back, although he's no, he's everywhere present. I don't know if he has a back. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, nevertheless, you know, saying, oh, why did God do that? You know, how often do we do that? We're sort of talking about it's disloyal. We've got to learn to help each other to trust God and say, okay, I can understand why you might feel like that. Let's go back to God and say, what is God saying about that? Let's help each other in growing, in being loyal to God, having that loyal faith. And then let's have a faith that is single-minded and steadfast. Never-ending, single-minded and steadfast. That's the sort of faith 
That's the sort of soil where the Holy Spirit is going to produce this fruit of faithfulness in us. Are you with me on that? So important, isn't it, to allow, to trust God. And we've got to help each other in this walk with God. I invite the band to come. I'm going to invite you all to stand while we pray. This is a Holy Spirit work. It's not our effort. It's the work of God himself. And if you want this work, then I invite you to just to open your hands this morning. If you want this work of God in your life, in your heart, open your hands to God. Receive this from him. He's the one. I can't give it to you. He's the one who will give it. And I'm going to pray for you. If you want to receive this, open, then put out your hands to receive what God wants to give to you. Dear God, our Father, we come to you this morning and we know we can't have a foot in both camps. And so this morning I pray for those people who want to receive this from you, God, that you will pour yourself into them. And that they will immerse themselves fully in the Holy Spirit so that what you're giving them doesn't leak, but rather is there and allows this fruit of faithfulness to grow. Lord, I pray that you can help us to trust you implicitly, never doubting, completely believing that you who are you are who you say you are and what you say you will do you will do and as we trust you completely then we will have that unwavering loyal never ending single minded steadfast faith for everyone who is wanting that this morning god i pray that there'll be such an outpouring of your presence in their hearts and an assurance in their minds that they rise up with a new confidence and a new assurance that you are with them, that they have nothing to fear, that you are their God. You will strengthen them. You will help them. You will hold them up with your victorious right hand. Hallelujah. Amen.